Good morning, good morning. How are we all doing? We're ready to start the parsha of Baha Aloscha. It's a beautiful parsha. The beginning of the parsha, we'll talk about two things today. We'll talk about the lighting of the menorah and we'll talk about the inauguration of the Levine. Not to be confused with the inauguration of the Kohanim, the priest that we've already talked about twice. This is going to be about the Levites. But first, the parsha begins by Hashem telling Moshe to speak to Aaron and say to him, when you go up, literally, when you go up the stairs to light the menorah, there was a little uh, pedestal or stage, not a stage, like a little, like two steps that the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen would be able to walk up onto in order to light the menorah. The menorah was 10 amos high, that's like 15 high, it was pretty tall. So there was a little staircase going up to the menorah in order to be able to light it. Now, it happens to be that Aaron, the high priest, was a very tall man. Brother was tall too. Moshe was ten almost tall himself. Aaron was too. So with the you know the he could reach up and he could reach it without the stairs. The yeah, Aaron would make a point of going up the stairs to show he was going up like the menorah. But besides the point, literally means when you go up, you go up these stairs in order to light the menorah. You should light the menorah facing inwards. El Mul Menorah, towards the middle of the menorah, you should light the seven candles. And there is an opinion that all the candles face to the west. Mm-hmm. But that's not how Rashi explains it, that's not how we're going to explain it. We're going to follow how Rashi explains that the, there were seven candles on the menorah, correct? Unlike our menorah today that has eight candles. That's because we're remembering how the menorah burnt for eight days. But the biblical menorah, the temple menorah, had seven candles. Three on one side, Three on the other side, and the middle one, which wasn't a shamish, it was one of the seven candles. There was no shamish candle. That, so the three on the, this side and on that side each faced inwards towards this middle lamp that was in the middle. Meaning, the menorah was not to give light to the world, because if you wanted to use a candelabra to give light outside, the candle would be facing which way? Outwards. By facing them inwards, Prove that the point of the menorah was not for the physical light that the menorah provided, but it was a spiritual holiness that was brought into the world through the lighting of the menorah. Now, I want to explain one thing on the word Baaloscha, and I'll explain why it's here in this parsha. So, the word Baaloscha means to go up, but it also is explained to be referring to the actual candles themselves, not just that the Kohen should go up the stairs in order to light the menorah. Because the proper Hebrew word for lighting in the menorah would be hadlik. What does it mean like Shabbos candles? La hadlik ner, right? We like the menorah. La hadlik ner shel Shabbos kodesh. So the word should be bahadlikcha esaner. When you light, when you kindle the lights. Rather, the light is not just meant to be kindled. The light is meant to be brought up, meaning that it has to be lit to the point where it could stay lit on its own. Sometimes you light a candle but it doesn't actually light, right? When you're holding the other match or the other candle to this second candle, so it looks like it's burning because there's another candle next to it, but the flame hasn't really taken hold yet. It's an important halacha, an important spiritual message for us, that when we light another candle, it has to be lit in a way that it will go up, meaning that on its own, the candle now has become its own candle, that it will remain burning even after the coin goes down the staircase, it will remain burning. Now, why are we talking about the menorah over here? We just finished talking about the inauguration of the Mishkan, the 12 princes of the 12 tribes 
who each brought a different carbon on the first 12 days of the month of Sivan. We're going to now talk in the very next part of the parsha about the Kohan, sorry, the, the Levites who were inaugurated into the Beis HaMikdash on this Rosh Chodesh Nisan, on the third day, on the seventh day of the month of Nisan, etc. So if they were being inaugurated into the Beis HaMikdash, why do we stop to talk about the living in the Norah, which we already talked about several times? So the commentators explain that Aaron felt very depressed. Why did Aaron feel depressed? Aaron was depressed because he came, he saw how for 12 days, each one of the princes brought a different offering, and the tribe of Levi had no offering. There was no inauguration from the tribe of Levi. Hashem didn't ask him for it. And he began to think that Hashem is still upset at me for the sin of the golden calf. All the other princes, God forgave them. They're bringing the offerings. But for me, the sin of the golden calf, I have not yet been forgiven. And therefore Hashem is not happy with me being the king God and doing the service in the temple. So Hashem says to Moshe, speak to Aaron. Say to him that he has a job that's more important than the other princes and what they did. Their offerings was only once. Thank you very much, Moshe. I appreciate it. Their offerings was only one day, and that's it. Then it's over. Your offering is going to be every day, every morning, every evening. And your offering, you're doing it yourself, not through the priest. The princes didn't actually bring up their offering on the altar. Right? They brought it to the temple, and the priest brought it up on the altar. And their offering took place in the outer <coughs> altar, which is in the courtyard. Your offering took place in... Where is the menorah lit? Inside the actual building of the Kodesh, inside the actual Mishkan building, or the Mishkan building itself. So therefore, your offering is even greater than theirs. Don't be depressed, don't feel sad. Hashem is very much happy with your offering of the menorah being done every single day when you alight the menorah. And therefore, we, have, we talked about how the menorah was made, one solid piece, because so holy and special, couldn't even be made, a different pieces attached together, had to be one solid piece of gold, which actually the commentary tells Moshe couldn't even figure out how to build it. It was too complicated to build one solid piece of gold. So Hashem said, put the gold in the fire, I'll make it for you. Again, reflecting this idea of how holy and how powerful was the lighting of the menorah, that Moshe couldn't even figure out how to build the menorah. And of course, the fact that Aaron lit it made his offering to Hashem very valuable and pleasing. He should not feel bad about the fact that he did not bring one of the inauguration offerings. Okay? Then after we have those few verses, those four verses about the menorah, we now go to the inauguration of the Levites. Now, if you remember, just make sure things are clear, we have talked about twice the, from the 23rd day of the month of Adar until Rosh Chodesh Nisan, how Moshe had acted as the priest and he had inaugurated the Aaron and his sons to become the priests of the, of the Mishkan. And so for seven days, Moshe put up the Mishkan, took it down. We discussed if he took it down with all the different opinions. He did all the offerings. And Aaron and his sons came like the regular Jews, so to say. They offered all the offerings, which we talked about. They went through the entire initiation offering with the blood on the ear and on the right thumb and on the finger, toe. Everything we talked about. Now that the Kohanim have been inaugurated, they now need helpers. There's a lot of jobs that they needed the Levites to do. Besides for the carrying of the Mishkan, the dismantling and the traveling, the transporting, and the rebuilding of the Mishkan, which was one of the jobs of the Levites, the Levites as we already discussed in Parshas Naso. In addition to that, he also needed, they, they had to guard the Mishkan to make sure no one came in, no, no, you know, keep uh, order and protocol, make sure there's proper dignity. No one, they weren't allowed to go. They had to sing to give the aura, the, the atmosphere, was the job of the Levites. 
So therefore, now Hashem says to Moshe that you will now teach, take the Levites, take them with words, inspire them, make them realize how lucky they are, how fortunate they are to be conscripted into God's service. And you shall show Aaron, the priest, how to initiate the Levites. Got it? So this process starts on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the day that the Kohanim become the Kohanim, they start the initiation of the Levites. The day the Kohanim become the Kohanim? Well, so the day that, they, yeah, they became Rosh Chodesh, they, it took them seven days, from the 23rd day of Adar until the first day of Nisan, and now on the first day of Nisan starts a seven day process for the Levites to be initiated. Yes, okay? So what was their initiation process? So it's going to be very similar. We're going to talk, combine two different problems. Let me explain out so we'll go inside. Two different processes here. One is a purification from a dead body. The person comes into contact with a dead body. What happens? Yes, you're right. They become contaminated, defiled, they're tummy, they can't go to the Mishkan, they can't touch Truma, except how do they become purified? So it's not so simple. Normally, if you come into contact with impurities, go to the mikvah and you're pure. The exception to that is the tumor of a dead body, the impurity of a dead body, the, the red heifer. So what would happen, very briefly, they had to go, they separated, etc. On the third day and on the seventh day of their, of their cleansing, purification process, they will be sprinkled with this water that had mixed into it the ashes of the para aduma, the red heifer. Third and seventh day they'll be sprinkled, and then after the seventh day, they went to the mikvah and then they were purified. Okay? There's another purification process of a mitzorah. What's the purification process of a mitzorah? So they also went out of the camp, etc. That's when they were, had tzaras. When they finally, when the Kohen looked at the mitzorah, the person had the tzaras, it's healed, it went away, they couldn't just come back to the camp. What do they have to do? They also had a seven-day purification process. But in their purification process, they had to shave their entire body. They shaved all the hair on their body. If you remember, we learned this. They shaved all the hair on their body, everything, with a razor. Which we'll talk about that in a second. And then they took that hair and they used it as a firewood to burn the fire that would cook they made an offering in the temple. They brought birds in the, in the base of Mikdash. And then they would cook their offering in the base of Mikdash. There was a room where this was done. And they would eat this offering that had been cooked with the hair under the pot that cooked the meat. They ate their, their uh, atonement offering. The Levites that are being initiated now. Why are the Levites serving in the temple? I'm, I'm, I'm just staying to the main point. Not getting too detailed. Why are the Levites serving in the temple? Exactly. The sin of the golden calf, which disqualified the firstborns from being able to serve in the temple. Because really, the real plan was when Hashem killed all the Egyptian firstborns and saved the Jewish firstborns, that we, me, myself included, the firstborns, we would serve in the temple. But because we had associated ourselves with the unholiness, with the impurity of the death of the golden calf, the idol, and the idol is compared to death, because the idol is not real, and an idol is compared to tzeras, to leprosy, because you denied God and you separated yourself from the camp. So therefore, since the Levites, who are replacing the firstborns, their purification process in order to serve in the temple is like the purification process of someone that was in contact with a dead body. 
firstborn, so has worship idols, which is considered like death, and someone that had tzeras that had been evicted from the camp, that had been totally separated, and now after their tzeras period is over, and they're allowed to be re-entered into the camp, so the Levites have to go through this tzeras purification process as well. Got it? So the initiation of the Levite is going to combine of two aspects. Besides for their offerings, which will be waved before Hashem, whenever you bring an offering, you wave it before Hashem, and the, Levi- and the Israelites will put their heads on the heads of the, of the Levites to atone, because the Levites are now like their offering almost, like they're atoning for the Israelites, the firstborns. But in addition to that, it'll be a seven-day process. On the third and on the seventh day of the seven-day process, they will be sprinkled with the water of the parah aduma, the red heifer that has the ash of the red heifer in it, just like as if they're being purified from death. And they're going to have all of their hair, all the hair of their body, the entire body, not just their face, their whole body, all their hinge, all their hair, all their skin shaved off, till they be as smooth as a cucumber, it says, it'll be totally smooth, not even two hairs will remain on their body, because if even two hairs remain on their body, it's not a... Proper shaving. It looks a little scary. Certainly, watch the body. <laughs> yeah. I grew back. It wasn't permanent. It was just, yeah, you know. Yeah, but uh, it just seems like the razor. The razor, they shaved the whole body, and that was a thing. Now I want to answer the question. Heath had a question. How are we allowed to shave the body? The Torah clearly, not only are we shaving it, the Torah specifically uses the word a razor. And in fact, the halacha is, I just checked it up, if you use not a razor to shave the Levite's body, it was not a kosher process. Had to be a, specifically a razor, specifically every hair of the body, including the beard and the parts of the body that you're not allowed to shave. A man is normally not allowed to shave the parts of his body that only a woman shaves, because that's like dressing like a woman. A man is not allowed to shave his beard, it's holy. So how is, how is a purification process to shave off your beard and to shave off all your hair? How does that make sense? So first of all, this is how Lachik answers and more, we'll give a more spiritual answer. There's a rule in Jewish law. Whenever you have a conflict between a mitzvah aseh and a mitzvah loisaseh, when you have a conflict between a positive, when the Torah says do something, and the Torah says don't do something, which overrides? Always the do overrides the don't. So for example, let's say a baby, let's say my baby was born not on Thursday night, but on Friday night after Shabbos, then the bris would be on Shabbos. Even the Torah says you're not allowed to cut to make blood on Shabbos, but the Torah also says you should do a bris on the eighth day. So the mitzvah, the positive mitzvah of doing the bris on the eighth day overrides a negative commandment of drying blood and cutting and all that on Shabbos. So to here we have a conflict. One verse says, don't shave. That's a losa say. Here in today's parsha it says, shave the Levite. So the mitzvah's assay of the shaving overrides the losa say. That's the halachic answer why we shave if the Torah says not to, just like the Kohen and Shatnas. They wore wool and linen mixed together. Of course, it's not to wear wool and linen mixed together, but in the temple they did it. But that's only a technical answer. What's the reason of why would we want to shave the Levi? Why would his process of initiation include being shaved? That happened to the coin. So really, the Levi is just copying the Metorah. As I already explained in the introduction, is that everything the Levi is being, that's being done to the Levi in his initiation is really reflective of the purification of a dead body and purification of Tzeras. So why did the Mitzorah have to be shaved? So there's only three times in the Torah that a person was shaved. The Nazir, the Mitzorah, and the Levite. The Nazir is a whole different reason. In fact, the, the, the Nazir is not a separate mitzvah. It's all part of the process. But the Mitzorah had a separate mitzvah. 
in fact, I'm looking now at the Rambam when he counts the mitzvahs of the purification of the person with tzaras, there's two different commandments. One commandment is to bring the offerings. A separate commandment is to shave his entire body. Unlike the Nazir, where it's all one mitzvah, it's not two different mitzvahs. Why? So I saw the Minchas Chinuch explains as follows. When you shave off all the hair of your body, it represents a brand new fresh start. A brand new fresh start. As long as you still have the hair on your body, you're still the same person as before. And so even when you clean yourself, obviously you can clean your body with hair. You have shampoo and conditioner and soap. But you're still carrying who you were before. And you say you look very different when you shave your whole body. So imagine a person with a beard and arm and a hair and a face. And all of a sudden you shave everything off. He looks physically completely new, completely different. Just like, similar to what I explained about the mikvah, when you come out of the water, you're like fresh and clean, and you're starting a new start, but this is amplified a thousand times more so. When you have no hair on your body, you feel like, I'm totally like a brand new person, starting totally fresh. So therefore the mitzorah had to have all of the hair in his body removed, in order to start totally fresh, totally brand new, without any baggage and carryover from his previous sins before when he had Saras, when he had been evicted from the camp, and so to the Levi, the Levi, who is atoning for the Jews in place of their sins, have to be totally fresh, totally new, without any... Uh, that's the reason why they had to be shaved. So very, very, very briefly, what happened to the Levites? They came, they got sprinkled with the blood on the third day and on the second day. They brought two offerings a young bull, which was an ola, an ascent offering, which was completely burnt on the altar, and a second young bull, which was a sin offering. Again, they're atoning for the sin of the golden calf, of the, of the Jews. But unlike normally a uh, sin offering that's eaten by the priests, this sin offering was totally burnt on the altar. It was not eaten by the priests. So both the young, both bulls, the, old, the ascent offering and the burnt offering, and the sin offering were both offered up on the altar. And then they came before the Levites. The, the Levites are brought before the Jewish people in front of the Mishkan. And all the Jews put their hands on top of the, the Levites as a, like a, a confession, like you do on your animal before you offer up your animal. And then, just like a Mitzorah, has to wave his offering before Hashem. Part of the Mitzorah's purification process was to wave the offering in all directions. So too, Aaron acting as a representative of the Jewish people, because not all the Jews could lift all the Levites, that would be a major Balagan. <laughs> Can you imagine? Aaron himself lifted up each one of the Levites and waved them before Hashem. Now yes, excellent question. How many Levites are there? The answer is, if you remember from last week's parasha, 22,000. 22,300 actually. Now to lift 22,000 is an unbelievable feat. And when you guys, when, stand in line to get lifted. yeah. So how did Aaron have the strength to lift twenty? You know, be on your back to lift twenty-two people, twenty-two thousand people. On his back? No, not on his back. But you know what kind of strain it would be for you? Let's say you had to lift. You'd be you'd be uh, out cold on the floor by like two thousand. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, twenty-two thousand, two thousand, two hundred, <laughs> two. You say two. Okay, Aaron was stronger than you. So first, Aaron was very very strong. Hashem gave him tremendous powers. He was able to lift 22,000 Levites, which is an amazing explanation. But once I saw an uh, explanation that makes a lot of sense that I like, which is that he used a seesaw kind of thing. He didn't actually physically lift them up. He put them on some kind of like a contraption, like a seesaw, and they stood on one end, and he stood on the other, he was, you know, pushed on the other end. So this way he was able to lift them without the whole 
I saw that's one explanation how he physically, logistically was able to lift 22,000 livres in one day. But not miraculously, he was, God gave him strength. And he lifted 22,000 Levites, just like a Mitzorah would wave his offering before Hashem. He waved his offering in all directions before Hashem. Three times it says that he waved the Levites before Hashem. The first time it says that Aaron waved the Levites, a tnufa, a wave offering before God. The second time in verse 13 it says, hey, tnufa la Hashem, a waving to God, not before God. And the third time it just says, he, brought, he waved them as a waving, as an offering, not before Hashem. The fact that the Torah says three times that he waved them represents the three different family of Levites. The family of Kahas, who would bring the actual off, they carry the actual vessels of the Mishkan, their job was the holiest. So for them it says a tnufa, lifnei Hashem, a wave offering before God. Gershon, they carry the curtains of the walls of the Mishkan. They... Uh, are called, are hinted to, and where it says, a waving to Hashem, not before Hashem, and Merari, they carry the sockets and the beams and the courtyard and all that, just says, it's Dufa, a waving without mentioning the word of God, but three times, representing all three families of Levites were all waved on that one day, on the seventh day before Hashem, and the Torah says off, these, these Levites are Nisunim, Nisunim Hemali, they are given to me in place of B'nai Yisrael, instead of the first opening of the womb of the children of Israel, I've taken these Levites instead, because of sins, instead to work on my behalf in the Mishkan.